0: Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at joshua double underscore stamper. Welcome back, everyone, to the 18th Aspire mailbag with my good friend, Teach Better teammate, the COO and co founder of Teach Better, the man on a mission, Jeff Gargas. What's up, dude? 18? That's I know. crazy. 18. it's been a we haven't done 17
1: was like was 17 was like in t- 2020 wasn't it yeah pre-pandemic <laughs> it's <was> pre-pandemic <laughs> it hasn't been quite that long but it's felt that long hasn't it it has it has it's been but a it's, while
0: it was a good podcast i felt really comfortable with what we did i was really proud of the answer you don't you gave remember Jeff. what it was no, it I have was no like idea.
1: five <laughs> weeks ago
0: get out of here I remember we had someone on that was amazing outside of the two of us. Hmm. So you know, then you're like, "That was good. We should do that again. We should totally do that again." And that's why we have another sense. another special guest tonight. He's an author, a podcaster, one of my amazing friends. It's Todd Nislone. Hey,
2: hey. I'm hoping that tonight I'm not as forgettable, Josh. No, <laughs> goodness, no. I
0: just I want to note
1: Todd that you're the special guest. I'm just here again. <laughs>
2: Just- well, you know, part of what I, it's part of my, my writer. Whenever I do anything with Josh, I make sure there's another party there just to be witness to anything that happens. <laughs> that's
0: a good idea. That's Maybe a good point. you sharing plan. secrets now. Come on now. But Todd, I love having you on the podcast and anyone that's listening right now, if you haven't listened, Todd was my very first guest. I feel bad for him still, but he has mm-hmm. graciously come back onto the podcast multiple times. So definitely check out his episodes and real quick, Todd, what are you, what are you in
2: the process of working on right now? Well, you know, that first episode was pre-pandemic, if we want to talk about what really was. I mean, that was like 10 years ago before, you know, because that's how long the pandemic feels like it's been here. But um, as far as what I'm working on now, I mean, part of it's just surviving. The other part is preparing for fatherhood in the next six months. And then I don't have anything really huge in the works professionally other than just continuing to grow my craft and connect with people and, and just do some more blogging and podcasting and things like that.
0: So let's talk about your podcast real quick. So, what is that premise? And I mean, you got a couple of different components now of that.
2: Yeah. So, it's it's all under the same podcast umbrella. So, it's called Tell Your Story. Um, I've done probably close to 200 episodes or so of that. Um, And it's just an opportunity for me to find people online. Most of them are in the educational field, but there's a big chunk that aren't as well. And just to give them a platform to have 15 or 20 minutes for us to just talk about a piece of their story. And I've really tried to make it a really different kind of podcast in the avenue of I'm not always seeking the well-known names. Mm -hmm. I try to find people that nobody's ever interviewed before or has never written anything before because I truly believe that every one of us has a story. And so I believe kind of the purpose of my podcast exists to help people realize that their story matters, even when they're like, why are you asking me to be on this? Like nobody even knows who I am. And I'm like, I don't care. That's the point. Um, And then that kind of morphed into the other half of the series, which is called Honestly, Let's Talk. Um, It's like I said, it's still under the Tell Your Story podcast and umbrella, but it's weekly episodes that I pick a topic. Um, And so in 2020, I was having panel talks over different topics, whether it was racism, and we did it from different perspectives or being Muslim in America or Christianity, like all kinds of things we just dove into, not even dealing with education. 2021, I'm switching the format up just a little bit and doing singular interviews with people over topics. So I'm doing books we love. Um, In the next couple of weeks, I'll do behind the smile, dealing with grief, just different things, but have a more tailored conversation with a one-on-one person.
0: Well, and I love your mission because that's exactly what happened to me. You asked me to be on your Kids Deserve It podcast at the time. And I was like, why on earth would you want me? Like, (laughs) I am nobody. And honestly, that experience was what jettisoned me into podcasting with the Aspire podcast. So thank you for giving me a platform. I'm in the early stage of my leadership development, which is now, well, really, I have to blame you for this podcast.
2: I'll I'll take the blame on that. I'll I'll do it this time. But if you just send me any royalties, make sure I want that recording. I want that in the episode that you are yeah. going to send me any royalties. I got your back, Todd. Video. I
1: whether he whether he says right now, I already wrote it down. It's cool. I got the notes. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. I'll submit them. Um, Todd, I, I just want to say too, I love the I love the premise of your podcast and that because I think for you know. Being able to do Teach Better Talk, one of my favorite things to do is when I get that email back or like a, a DM on a tweet or whatever, and they're like, are, are you sure you meant to send that to me? Like, why would you want to – I love that. That's one of my favorite things. I'm, I'm a 1,000% with you. Then, like, everyone's got a story. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those stories are from the, quote, unquote, not known, right, like are the best because oh. they're so genuine, because they're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll just answer this question. They haven't they haven't prepped, they haven't thought about it. It's not a pitch, it's not anything. It's just, all right, well, here's just me telling my story. And it's like, oh, it's 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 just authentic. I love it. So I love that. You
2: know, I, I couldn't agree more either. And it's so funny because when I invite people on my show, they're always like, Can you send me the questions in advance? And I tell them, um, honestly, I can't, because I don't know what I'm going to ask you after the first question. Like, I just want to talk to you. Yeah. And they're was like, but I need to prepare. And I'm like, we're talking about you. Like, you don't have to prepare anything. I promise you, you'll do fine. It's not live. I can edit it. And I've never had to edit an episode just because when you get people talking about themselves, they realize they do have something to say.
0: Yeah. For this episode, let's talk about the premise. So for those who may have listened for the first time, you got to go back and listen to me and Jeff on the first Aspire mail back, so you can kind of get a feel for it because it was an amazing episode as Jeff's rolling his eyes. I was for trying the... to think of when that was. What was that? That was that was that was pre-pandemic, wasn't yep. it? I think it was. Yes, that was pre- yeah, yeah definitely yeah. pre-pandemic. So for these episodes, we reach out to you, the listener, to ask you for leadership questions via Twitter, Instagram, and Boxer. And in the past episodes, we have answered anywhere from three to five questions. And so tonight we are gonna answer three. I actually four because I just got one on Voxer for Todd and Sloney. So Todd, I'm going to put you on the spot. Hedrick Nichols, good friend of the podcast, and part I love of- her. Hedrick. I love Hedrick. She's a part of the Teach Better Podcast Network. She just asked. Well, she states that you're expecting twins, and she wants me to ask you if you liked her suggestions.
2: Well, first of all, I love her. She is one of those people that I hadn't heard of. And I found her through a roundabout way. And I reached out and said, hey, do you want to come on, tell your story? And I got to know her and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like a huge fan of yours now. And so I, yes, I always love her advice um, on anything. I mean, she's one of those that I think she's got a great personality, great ideas, um, and definitely has a heart for people.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. So you didn't answer the question.
2: I said yes I loved her advice <laughs> he said he oh, always that was does, my which includes answer, now
0: okay I just want to make sure because I know she's gonna be listening to this so gosh if this if this is
1: gonna continue we're really gonna need you to
0: pay attention well I was, is... <laughs> I was holding two books up which are what is the black lives matter movement and what is anti-racism by Hedrick Nichols so I just purchased them through Amazon and they came yeah. today so I I was kind of obsessing. You were busy. Yeah, I get it. You were busy. I, you were, you I, were,
2: I, I just you learned know. something new about you though, Josh. I did not realize you weren't able to listen and hold the books at the same time, I can't. but I, I love I was, learning these new things. I was about trying you. to get
1: the walk and chew gum thing in my head. And I, <laughs> thank you, Todd. Cause I couldn't quite get there for me. <laughs>
0: Todd, you
2: know, but is that what you happens when you raise a bunch of kids? Yes. <laughs> I've, I've lost my mind a long time
0: ago. I can only do one thing at a time.
1: Josh is really regretting this. Like he thought like <laughs> one of us would team up with him and it's gone the opposite it's, way. So, it's
0: so far away. It's not went that way. Yep. I've lost all control. All right. Steering the ship back. We're going to go to our first question, which is from Taylor Armstrong. Amazing guy. Amazing leader. He is asking, what are the most common mistakes leaders make as they try to help others? And I know he's specifically asking for our new leaders.
2: So, you know, for me, when I think of the biggest mistake I can remember making, especially right away as a new leader, was believing because I was capable of doing so much as a classroom teacher, I thought when I moved into that leadership role, like, oh, well, I was able to handle everything in my room. Like I had it down. I was, I was, I was rocking and rolling. So when I become a principal, p- please, this is great. I'm gonna be able to do it all myself. All my ideas, I can take and run with it. And I really actually tried doing that like an idiot my first couple of months until I realized, okay, no matter how good you are or how good you think you are, you are always better when you bring your team in and delegate to people's strengths. And part of that as leadership is taking the time to get to know people well enough to learn their strengths, even if because what I learned very quickly too, was that the strength that a lot of people don't identify their own strengths. Well, Um, they like to believe they aren't good at certain things until somebody comes along who believes in them and grows them in that area. Cause that's what a great leader does. They help grow you into who you weren't even sure you were capable of becoming. And so, I mean, for me, the advice is you can't do it all. You need to learn to ask for help and that let go because I had that mindset of, if it's my idea and I'm not in charge, it's not going to be as good as what I'm envisioning. Mm-hmm. And I learned very quickly, it wasn't as good as I was envisioning. It was often better than what I was envisioning because I put somebody who was brilliant to help run it. 1000%
1: agree, I want to piggyback on that sort of the similar, basically the same way, just a different angle is that you you also, you've got to realize in, that just because you're here, you're the leader, that you didn't get there because you are the best at everything. There's a really good chance you're not the best at anything, right? Yeah. And yeah. one of your true skills that you have to develop as a leader is to find all the people that are going to be better. Like Todd kind of alluded to, they're going to do the things that you can do better than you. And that's part of the point. Part of your job is to find those people and to get to know them, like Todd said. And then I would say another piece is, I think one of the, you know, to, specific to specifically to how Taylor asked that is, one uh, mistake you make is, is for me, I think a lot of people make the mistake of making others earn your trust versus giving it to them first mm-hmm. and giving them your trust and letting them know that you have the trust. Like Todd said, like letting them know, like, I believe in you. I know you can rock this. That's why I'm giving you this. And that's why I trust you. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to verify and I'm not going to, you know, make sure I'm doing my job, but I'm going to trust you to do that. Now you're, it's your trust to lose, not, not making you earn it. And if you do that, you're going to have some people when you give them a little bit and they know that you think you got them and you're going to let them go with it. Like they're going to blow your mind with what they can do. And your job's going to get a whole lot easier and a whole lot better in my opinion. So, yeah.
2: Well, you know, Jeff, I think that you said something there that you don't hear quite often and that is giving them the trust without them having to earn it. And I think you alluded to something at the end of that though, that really resonated with me was that there's a lot of people who have never had people in leadership Give them any trust at all, yes. and so by you giving that freely without them having to earn it, you've like earned so many brownie points in their eyes of them going, "Whoa, oh, okay, you trust me. Okay, let me, let me." T- and nobody's ever trusted me before that was in a leadership role. So I think you win a lot with that too.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's an, it, you, you're empowering them, right? And it's it's sort of similar. Actually, it's similar to like when, when a person's like well, you want to hear my story? You're like, yes, <laughs> yeah. of course I do. It's the same things like what, like you trust me with this. Like you're okay if I do this, but that was the thing. That's what you did when you were a classroom teacher, Todd. Are you sure you want me to do that? Cause you were so awesome. You're like, no, yes. I'll, like you give them that, right? You empower someone to be like, oh, I, I can do
2: this. Like I'm all, but I think it's know? important to note too that for anybody listening that when you do give that trust freely you will be burned sometimes. Yeah. When you do uh, delegate you will have things not followed through, um, but it's just like when you taught in the classroom. When you when you when you're in the classroom, you will have students that don't do their work. You will mm-hmm. have students that don't complete an assignment or that don't carry their weight in a group. But it's a learning opportunity. It doesn't mean I go, well, I'm quitting teaching. They didn't listen to me. They bombed at this. <laughs> da, da, da. The same is true with leadership. There are people who are going to burn bridges. There are people who um, are not going to follow through what you expect. But you don't you don't um, count them off. You learn from it, yep. and you put things in place to make it better next time.
1: I love it. You said they are learning opportunities, right? Because that's your opportunity to say, "Hey, just so you know, like I give you my trust. I you still have it, but yeah, you kind of you know we slipped here. Like, how do we fix? Right? It's that opportunity. It's not oh, you're done. I don't you know what I mean? Like, it's not, <laughs> I love that. It's like I'm not I'm done teaching. They didn't they didn't pass. Right? It's same thing. Right? So yeah, I love that. That's 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 a good point.
0: Well, I'm gonna say that I think when I first became a leader, I wanted to just solve the problem for them. And now, and I'm thinking of just, this happened yesterday. Uh, I had a tech specialist, one of our instructional coaches come and ask me a question. And then I started asking him questions back. And then at the end he came up with the answer and then said to me, I know what you did. You were coaching me through this. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't realize I was doing it. And I started cracking up because now it's just kind of my default of doing it. But as as a young leader, it was just solve, solve, solve every problem and not allowing the other person to come up with their own mm-hmm. solution and a lot of times our teachers and our instructional coaches and other people they know the answer if they just have some time to reflect and and to have that time to process they know how to get there for the most part then you can kind of give your input as a leader to kind of help through the logistics but um, i think the coaching piece is so beneficial
2: you know, Josh, and what I love what you said there because, you know, that lesson took me years to yeah. learn to get to that point because I'm the kind of person where it's like, okay, I have a solution. Here's what you should try. And then what I was finding was those people who needed a solution, they weren't going to implement what your idea was because that wasn't what they really needed. As a yeah. leader, what I, what I took a while to learn was that what they really needed was to figure it out themselves, but to have me guide them in that direction. Mm-hmm. So I love the way you said that, yeah. Josh
1: they need they needed the yeah the guidance of this is how we figured out this problem well, so, when they
2: solve it, they own it and then they're more likely to follow through.
1: Yeah, I, I'm going to do like Todd does, did this with the first part. And same here is like flip it to your classroom. It's the same thing with your students, right? Don't give them the answers if they can find the answers themselves. You want to teach them that critical, that doesn't stop, right? It doesn't stop when we get older. We want to constantly do that. And then we're constantly growing and learning that way. So, that's an opportunity. So,
2: well, and you know, too, what I think about as as people who are listening, again, you know, I I, I try to like to cover both sides of this. So, you're not just like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me go do it. And then it doesn't work. And you're like, I hate Josh and Jeff and Todd. <laughs> like they were liars that didn't work. Um, and so I want I want you to think too, like, as you're doing this, you have to know the people a little bit mm-hmm. in, in this process of coaching, because you have to know how hard you can push somebody mm-hmm. because there are some people you just got to barely tap them before they tap out. And you're like, no, 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 no. I was just pushing just a little bit, just a little bit. And there's other ones you can be like, no, I'm pushing you off the ledge. You're going to learn how to fly. Cause I know you can handle that yep. stress. And so Mm -hmm. I think you got to be really careful because in the process of questioning somebody, you can question too much where they shut down and they don't ever come to you again. Yeah,
0: Yeah. because they think you're questioning them as a person versus their ideas. And and I will say that I've established a a very good relationship with this person. He's been on the campus multiple years, so um, I felt that comfort level to to really push him. And I don't know if I pushed him off the cliff, but he definitely flew in the solution.
2: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, Better Tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode.
0: I think, Jeff, you had a good segue as far as, you know, transitioning that to students. And our next question is, is on students. And this actually came from AJ Bianco. And he may not know it, but this is kind of a question that's kind of merged together through multiple leaders. But I think right now, a lot of people are trying to figure out how do we gather student feedback to improve campus practices?
2: You know, for me, this was, this was a process that, that was, I was passionate about from the start because it was a big part of my classroom. In my classroom, I was always getting feedback from students. And you know, my first couple of years teaching, I didn't like feedback necessarily from my students because I was like, what do you know? Like I'm the professional, we're gonna do it my way. I don't really care if you didn't like that lesson. And I learned very quickly that that was a huge piece of the puzzle that I was missing on, on getting to an even higher level of learning. And so as a classroom teacher, I was always seeking input and I taught fifth grade. And so we would do weekly surveys every Friday. what did you like this week? What did you not like? What do you hope I never do again? Like, what do you wish I would have done in class or we used? And then I started doing monthly surveys to parents, same kind of questions. What are you hearing from your kids that they do like about my class or they don't? And I And I really did, was able to do that and not take it personally, which I think is difficult for us because we do invest ourselves so heavily in what we do as educators, whether that is in the classroom or leading outside the classroom. And so when I look at it as a leader perspective, what I tried to take in that when I took over the campus was that I really wanted to value their voices there too. And so I had student advisory groups where I would meet with kids from all the, all grade levels mixed together and say, you know, what do you like about our school? What could we do better? And sometimes they come up with really insane ideas that will <laughs> never be implemented. And, and we laugh about the pool full of jello behind the school <laughs> that they're dying to have, but it must be lime green. And we talk about why I would love to make that happen for you, but I can't. Um, and for kids, they've never had an adult a lot of them explain why there are not basketball goals yet on the playground, Mm -hmm. why their gates are locked at night, instead of letting them come after Mm -hmm. school. Like, and when you talk to them like, Oh, well that makes sense. Well, can we think about doing this instead? Like for me, one of my favorite things that my kids helped me redesign was I grabbed a group of fourth and fifth graders. And I was like, guys, I hate the way our cafeteria is designed. All the tables are in rows. And for me, it feels like prison. And I said, let me tell you why we do it. And that's because it's really easy on the person monitoring to walk up and down. It's really easy to sit and stand. I said, but what we talk about at the school is feeling like a family. And this does not feel like a family in here. It feels like very regimented. And I said, let's ca- brainstorm some ideas. They redesigned that entire cafeteria. We talked about fire escapes and what would need to be in place and things like that. And they had this whole way that I was like, okay, we're going to do it. And they were like, wait, like, really? You're going <laughs> to put this in place? And I'm like, yeah, I asked you for a reason. And my staff flipped out when I did it. Because we've never done it like that before. You let kids decide this. I'm going to have to weave like this through here. And I said, let's give it a week. If it doesn't work within a week, you know, at least we tried. Mm -hmm. And we ended up keeping it for the next couple of years that I was there because it actually did make the cafeteria quieter. It actually made kids behave more in there. And those kids went back talking to their friends, talking about the ownership they had. And I helped Mm -hmm. design the way that looks right now. Yep. And that's just one of the many examples, but the more you can talk to kids and, and get feedback from them. And like I said, don't take it personally, which I can tell you is very much easier said than done. Um, I'm very much a person who takes a, everything way too personal, but you have to get to that place where you have people in your circle who will say like, Josh, you're one of my people. You'll be like, Shut up, Todd. Like that's so stupid. You should not be thinking like that. Like, get over it. They did not mean that. And so you gotta have people, if you are one who takes things personally, to have those in your circle that when you say, Okay, should I be really offended by this, they can be like, No, like you probably should look at that. That is a good, a good suggestion from those kids. Mm-hmm. Here's
1: the only thing I would, and this is like a really small, like, you know, a, a, another option is just, we've actually done this and this isn't like something that we do. It's not something that we typically do with schools, but like a lot of our clients, we've done this where specific to the work that we're doing with a school, we'll go in and we'll have focus groups, like your advisory groups, but with students. And the only thing I would say is the, the potential there is to get a, I don't want to say necessarily more honest, but maybe more brutal because they're, no, it's not you. It's this weird separation that kids have where they're like, oh, like this, this isn't my principal. I'm going to say like it is. And then what we can do is then we bring that feedback back. But with all that said, still, like, I think that a really important point that Todd touched on a few times is like, kids are brutal. Like, they're brutally honest. Like, they're not ripping you down, right? They just really don't like the way the lunch tables are. We've taken that and then had some really good conversations with, with the, you know, the leadership team and the teachers of, hey, this is what your students are saying to us, mm-hmm. outsiders who... They know there's no, you know, it's just us talking. Um, You can really get them going. So, you know, there's two different ways they can go on that. Like one, there's really a lot of power in that being in a conversation with someone who they already know and have a relationship with. And then it's just a different conversation with someone who maybe they don't. And that could be, you know, a school board member or yep. a community member that donates a lot of time to the, you know, the, the school or something like that. It doesn't have to be somebody you have to hire or anything like that. I can just be a volunteer uh, just to get that sort of really like a additional layer of, of unfilteredness. But I think everything that Todd said, I mean, in the example was great. And given that ownership, I can confirm that that, that works all the time mm-hmm. and at all levels. Even over the smallest things, it changes everything for those kids.
2: And, and what I really want to be clear here too is I use an example with fourth and fifth grade students, but I don't want anybody listening to think that there has to be an age range when no. you do this. Some yeah. of the best advice that I have gotten outside of the pool full of jello, um, which actually came from a fifth grader, not yeah, a kindergartner, but is from the kindergartners. Like those kindergartners and pre k the way their imagination works mm-hmm. and the way they are uninhibited in dreaming out loud, they have some of the best advice like my ooh, that's a like. I'm not going to do what you just said because it's a little crazy, but I it led me to a new idea that I can play off of that. Where it I, go, I, you can see it
1: to. I don't think we can get a unicorn in here, but <laughs> oh my gosh, that was the exact one I was thinking of, right? <laughs> Maybe now. somewhere else. but I and I'd say I think on the other end too, there, you know, when you look at like the high school level, those conversations also could be an opportunity to really bring in their problem solving. Like, yeah. w- I was thinking when you were talking about like the you know, not having a basketball hoop, so why things are locked, like that's like getting into like adult conversations that you can bring them in and be like so do you understand like what are ways that we can combat that how can we fix that what what can we adjust and now you got to be thinking I'm putting you as a you know a senior junior in the role of a principal superintendent, which actually then feeds really well into a business owner and manager and all this type of stuff. I think there's just there's other little opportunities in there while getting some really potentially brilliant feedback. Like we need a pool full of green jello with unicorns in it, which I think is fantastic <laughs> with Texas weather.
2: Another thing too, Jeff, that, that you really brought up that that really just stuck out into me just then was the fact that. When you bring in those kids into the conversation, they often can bring in other kids who may be part of an issue you're trying to solve. Mm. So if there's a reason why the playground gets locked at night and you have some students help you develop a plan of fixing that, they can go out to their friends and be like, look, dude, this was totally my idea. Don't screw this up for me. Like, stop spray painting the (laughs) side. or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. the example that we had at our school was our girls' bathroom. That was one of the most, I learned more cuss words by reading those stalls in a third through fifth grade girls' bathroom than I ever knew before becoming a principal. But when we put some girls in charge of redesigning the bathroom and painting and adding things, whatever they wanted, all I did was give them a budget. Let me tell you, we didn't have any issues because what those girls did is as soon as their design was done, they said, can we go meet with the classrooms to let them know kind of some expectations that we've owned with? it. They owned it now, like, now. Right. Heck like, yeah. This that. was man, I've been cleaning those stalls and talking about behavior and y'all know how to do better. <laughs> and I should've just put some ten year olds in charge of this years ago they <laughs> solve me the headache. Yeah. Well, well and I think awesome.
0: embedding your students in every every decision, right? So, Todd, I mm-hmm. stole this from you, social media, right? Having the kids in charge of that. Or we started putting kids on our committees. And so now they're talking about equity and they're talking about, you know, what rewards they want for PBIS and how the cafeteria is put together, the procedures there, you know, how is the set up for the classroom, you know? So we're trying to find any way possible to get feedback from them because it is one thing to see it as an adult but it's another to actually experience it eight hours a day as a student. And I think mm-hmm. I've really pulled from what you've done, Todd, for, at the elementary level. But I, like you said, it doesn't matter the age. Middle schoolers have phenomenal and very brutal ideas. You know, they'll tell you how it is.
2: I love you saying, though, to, to add them to committees, too, because as for the leaders who are listening to this, I want you to also consider putting them on the interview panel for yeah. teachers. You don't need a ton. Just grab a couple kids and then wait. And then you do need to plan some questions in advance with them. Like, don't just throw them in a room and let them ask anything willy nilly. (laughs) Like, no, you need to talk about it. But it's always great having a kid or two in the room because, A, it makes the applicant feel a little more chilled out. Like, oh, there's my friends. Like, I can work with them. But it really does provide a whole nother perspective in interviews, too. Yeah.
0: And if you think they won't come up during the summer, they will. I've seen yep. it firsthand. Parents will yep. drive them up, and it's an amazing interview experience for both sides. I think it's a great comment. You guys ready for the last question? Yeah, let's roll. All right. So this one's from Bobby French, and she asks, how do you keep teacher morale up for the second half of the school year? It's been a tough year, and teachers are amazing, but they're very tired.
2: You know, for me, when I think about this question, I think the answer I would have right now is not an answer I would have for a typical year. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of things that leaders have at their disposal. And let me back up a little bit, let me be really clear. When I say the word leader, the moment you walk in the front doors of your school, you're a leader yes. because the kids are watching you, the parents are watching you, your team is watching you. So I don't want you to think by me using the term leader, I'm specifically as speaking to the people in the front office um, because everybody on that campus is a leader. But when it comes to campus administration, and what they can do, you know, there's so many things at their disposal during a typical school year. But the difference of a school year during pandemic is that many of those things have already been used this year just to get us to the January, February mark that we're at now. And so for me, what I would say is, and and I, I will give the caveat, I'm not at a school this year. I am working for my state principal association um, as their director of culture and strategic leadership. So I do research this all the time and talk with leaders and teachers. But I, from my teachers that I'm talking to and, and all my former staff, what they want is you to have an empathetic heart. They wanna know that you see the work that they're doing. They wanna know that you are listening and constantly seeking ways to alleviate things from their plate, yes. which is beyond difficult this year because there are so many things that we can't take off plates this year because of the way that that rules and regulations have been put in place. But I think too, this is such a, a trite thing to say, but you can't pour from an empty cup. And so when I think about leaders who are looking ways to pour into their staff, that leader also better be looking and making sure they're pouring into themselves. Mm-hmm because you're never going to be somebody who can uplift your team or get that culture going. But as far as people who are listening and like, okay, Todd, that's all great. Like, give me something I can actually use tomorrow. Like what can I do? I will tell you one of the biggest tools at my disposal was the power of a handwritten note and I'm a very optimistic guy, but I can be really pessimistic about things as well. And so there were so many times where I'm like, this is so stupid. Like I'm really supposed to believe that this stupid note I'm writing is really gonna change that person's day. And, but I kept doing it because I knew it was true, regardless of what in that moment that emotion in my brain was telling me and why I was frustrated about it. But I will go into rooms and see the note that I had written for that person up on the wall on their desk, framed in their car dash, whatever. And I'm just reminded of, I do the same thing. Like, great, I got a really sweet email. Oh, I got a really nice text. Like, those were great but when I get like a postcard or a sticky note was left on my door or a little note card in my mailbox at school or in my mailbox at home, those are the moments that I'm like, wow, this person didn't just pull up a device real quick and type it and send it. Like they took the time to write it, to bring it and drop it off wherever they need to drop it off to. For me, like it's not just a cutesy saying that they made a hundred of and cut them all out and put them on everybody's desks. They actually wrote a note that said, I really appreciate you for this. Mm-hmm. And it can, and it was never anything super significant. I mean, the notes that I got that I have in my little pick me up folder, it's like, I really appreciate you calling home to check on that kid. And I'm like, you saw that or you value that? Like you see all these amazing things and that's what you, you saw in me. And so I think any time that we can remind people of how worthy they are, that lasts far longer then food, a snack cart to their door. Now, those things are awesome. Everybody loves free food. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Free foods and gift cards we will take all day long. But those handwritten notes are free. And on my personal calendar, three days a week, I had a 30-minute block where it said, write notes. And I kept a Google spreadsheet of every staff member's name. And that included custodial, cafeteria, support staff, nurse, librarian, everybody. Every staff member's name. And when I would write them a note, I'd put the date by their name so that way I could see who I was missing, who I had written so many notes to during the year to keep it kind of even to make sure I didn't forget anybody because that's what you don't want to do. You don't want to start writing notes. And then Jane down the hall is like, oh, really? Everybody on my team's gotten five notes by now and I haven't even got one. Clearly, he doesn't like me. And I'm like, no, I totally just forgot. I'm so sorry. Um, but the power of a handwritten note can never be forgotten. and And, and that goes encouraging for your teachers to do that for each other, for your students to do that, for the staff on campus. Like everybody is in charge of building that culture. And I think sometimes leaders mistakenly believe they are solely responsible for a positive culture on campus. Mm -hmm. And you gotta get out of that mindset because you are only a piece of a large puzzle and everybody has to be present for that puzzle to be complete.
0: Well, and Todd, you said you can't pour from an empty cup. And I just want to let leaders know you may not be the person to fill that person's cup. We keep putting things on teachers and some of it is have to, right? We have to have two sets of lesson plans, one for a virtual and one for a face-to-face. That's, that's double the amount of work. And, you know, teachers are out and you may have to have a teacher cover another class, right? And so there's, there's all these things that will build up over time. But then to then have a staff training on, you know, how to have the mental capacity to work through this time or growth mindset and all these things that are important, but at the same time, how are how is that filling that person's cup? How are we giving opportunity for people to do things like maybe just sending them home, go hang out with your family, go take a run, allow them to do things outside of school to then fill their cup in the sense of finding ways to create or be passionate about something or just release stress, right? I mean, it doesn't have to be within the the walls of the building. Those things can happen um, without a a teacher, without an administrator, um, but we have to give them the opportunity. and, And sometimes, like Todd said, take something off their plate, find the things that are just fluff, that are extra if we cu- can cut away the fat you know we can get to the to the meat
1: the only thing i'd add a oh, hundred times yes everything that todd todd went through and what you added there josh The only thing i'd add to that which when in terms of keeping that morale up this year is uh is to continue to be there to be there constant i've said that for a while all year talking to leaders is how do we do this how do we do this i'm like Everything is so inconsistent right now, even more so. And it still is, even now into January, February, it's still inconsistent. We literally just got today, like just before I got on here, our district here where my kids go got like everything's changing. Fortunately, I had been in hybrid. My kids have been virtual, so it's not a change for us, but a whole bunch of other families just got smacked. It's all going to change, and teachers are having to adjust. As a leader, be in there constant because the world is still so inconsistent and so changing. You need to be the thing that doesn't change in the sense of this is how I communicate. This is when I communicate. I've got your back. I'm not being silly positive, but I'm here for you. We're going to get through this all this in, in, you know, pouring into cups, right? Taking care of them, being being their consistent piece that they know they can turn to when they need it during all these in, inconsistent unknown times, I think is, is just a little piece I'd add to that.
2: Well, you know, and something else I'd add too for leaders that are listening is, I think another powerful tool at your disposal right now is vulnerability mm-hmm. um, and allowing your team to see that you're not always the strongest person in the room. Yep. And you don't always have it together because I think something I've seen discussed a lot this year. And I got, and you know, in, in, in the past I've been part of this problem too, Um, is that idea of toxic positivity yep. that uh, we've got this, we can all do this. And I'm like, okay, there are days when I need a cheerleader and there are days when I just need you to tell me that it sucks. Yep. Like I don't just need you to always be like roses and rainbows. I, I, there are moments in it, but you know what, we're all in this battle and, what's so unique about a pandemic is that there's the weight of your work, there's the weight of the political world we've been living in, there's the weight of the ethical world we've been having all these things come down with, there's the weight of health and financial concerns, not only if it's your own health you're worried about, but family members. And we've never been faced with all that at one time. And so I'm not telling you to go into your school and be like, whoa, is me, my life is so bad. Hey, y'all feel sorry for me. But I think there's a line that leaders can walk in saying, you know what guys, it's not always easy for me either. You know, just last week I had this happen and it broke me and I had to go and take some time to pull myself together and and to do these things to help me recover. But I came back. And, and I'm ready to get this for now. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring, but right now I'm here and I'm with you and, 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 and we're gonna work together to make this happen. Um, but I think that vulnerability is a big piece.
0: Well, and I think time too. You know, we may not have the budget as school leaders to have the goodie cart, or you know, to be able to provide breakfast or lunch for our staff, but you know, taking 30 minutes of your time going into a classroom, sitting down and just asking, how are you doing? Right, and then not interjecting, not not telling them anything about yourself, but just being a listening ear. Like, how powerful is that um, for all of those things that Todd you listed that people are going through? Jeff Gargas, what is going on with the Teach Better team?
1: Oh, what is going on with the Teach Better team? Uh, big thing going on right now is on the eighth of February we have the newest, well, the new, brand new, first time. I guess I mean it's not the first time; but it's like the first time since the initial launch. So we yeah. launched the. Ambassador program launched last June, and we are now opening uh, the applications up for the first time since then. Uh, On February 8th, they will stay open until the 27th, I believe. So you got about three weeks to fill it out. We've been trying to remind everybody, it's not going to take you three weeks to fill out. We just want to give it lots of time. Last time we were like, hey, we're only we going to here. And it just got like, we hit our max really, really quick. This mm-hmm. time it's just, we're just leaving it open for three weeks. Nice. So the ambassador program is open again, which has been such an incredible experience over the last year year or so, or almost a year. Um, and watching that group just grow into this incredible family of support and, and growth for each other. So we're excited to open that
0: up. So Gargis, um, yeah, for our listeners, what is the ambassador program?
1: Yeah, so the master program is essentially, it, for us, it was another way for us to bring educators that have the interest and the love to come in closer to the team. But more importantly, another opportunity for us to to highlight mm-hmm. uh, a group of educators that that truly carry the Teach Better mindset that we try to share. Not only carry that, but and to highlight them, but also lift their voices up and give them more opportunities to to share that out. The ambassadors get get very involved with everything we have going on. They bring ideas to the table. They uh, from anything from you know social media campaigns we can do to fun events to to uh, new services to put out, new, new uh, projects and things like that on team. So the ambassador program gets you involved in that Uh, In the more like the logistics of it, there's a Facebook group dedicated to that just for them to connect. They do a lot of uh, monthly hangouts actually, and they do weekly challenges Uh, we are working on launching. There's going to be internal private training. That's just for them that we're bringing people into the, into the group forum and stuff. So it's just this kind of group of family, of educators come together that really truly believe in and teach better mindsets. And we truly believe in them and what they're doing. And so now we're expanding that and opening the doors. Again, it's going to happen multiple times throughout this year, but the, the first time or next time is on February 8th. So that's exciting. Uh, and then on the 19th, we've got uh, just a fun networking event going on mm-hmm. that is exclusive to our private Facebook group, which exclusive and private make it sound like it's hard to get into. It's free, just, go on Facebook and you can get in the group. Uh, So if you go to teachbettergroup.com or just search teach better team on Facebook, you'll see the group pop up. And we are going to be dropping a uh, zoom link in on that night of the 19th in there. So everybody can get into the zoom. We've got breakout rooms with all kinds of games and stuff going on. Ray said earlier that there's something, a surprise plan for the beginning and the end. I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. Um, So that's fun. But I know you're supposed to bring some popcorn, or whatever your favorite snack is, whatever your favorite drink is, um, and just come hang out. It's really focused on networking and helping everyone that attends to just connect with each other more, build their PLN, and we're going to have a whole lot of fun for it. So I can't uh, that is, again, teachbettergroup.com for that. So those are the two big things right now. I wow. think we'll stop there.
0: I'll definitely be present just because I can't wait for Ray to get you to do something crazy. I'm pretty sure you're running breakout end. room games and stuff, aren't you? I have a feeling I'll be doing one of those. Yes. <laughs> I'm
1: sure <laughs> you're going to whether you know it or not. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, but I'm excited for both those. So if you're interested in joining the ambassador program, definitely check that out. And then, of course, the Popcorn Hangout will be doing some pretty fun things. And it, so
1: And I didn't say it, so teachbetter.com slash ambassador for the ambassador information.
0: That's Perfect. It. Well, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. You are two of my favorite people on this earth, and that's why I have you on the Aspire Podcast so much. So thank you again. Appreciate it, bro. for Brian. having me.